Good evening. Welcome to Refuge. Um, <laughs> I was uh, before we get started and get into um, our study in First Samuel chapter four. Uh, I uh, number one want to remind you of something important that's coming up this Sunday. This Sunday we have uh, the baptism. And um, so that'll be um, right going from the service right into it. It'll be part of the service, basically going right into our time of, um, of uh, having. We have five people that uh, have made a commitment to uh, be baptized. And so it'll be done right here. We're not leaving the building. We're doing it right here. And so it's, it's exciting to do it for the first time here at Refuge. And so um, just want to remind you about that. That's a great time to invite family and friends as they witness um, uh, five people testify before the world that um, they're identifying with the de death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and uh, make a, a, a proclamation to the world that they are his and he is theirs. And uh, so that's exciting about uh, this Sunday just coming up. And going into the message, I want to, um, you know, as we go through, we understand uh, from um, Scripture that many of these things that we study in the Old Testament serve as examples for us. Um, these examples come in many uh, shapes, sizes, <laughs> for different reasons. Um, some are um, to encourage us to uh, walk faithfully with the Lord, and others are examples for us um, as, uh, as warnings um, to not do those things um, or to do those things that they're not doing. So they serve as warnings as well. This evening in 1 Samuel chapter 4, uh, we're going to see something um, to where I, I believe it's going it's to help us understand uh, what we ought not to do and how it is that in the midst of something like this, the Lord is doing a work. He's still on the throne. And that's one of the things that I remind people often of is that the difficult situations that we find ourselves in, the difficult circumstances, no matter what it is, uh, and people start asking, well, why? Why is this happening? As if we're actually, um, you know, we're owed a, a response to that why. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not even owed a, a reason why it is that uh, we're enduring those things that we have before us. But the reminder, oftentimes, in those places that we find ourselves in, is that God's still on the throne. He's sovereign. And he's working something out. In fact, Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. And if we were to just remember that verse, along with so many others in regards to God's faithfulness, um, we would basically be able to cling to him and find peace and know peace in the midst of such times. Now, tonight we're going to look at um, how it was that the Israelites came and were confronted by the Philistines, um, and how it was that they responded to that. Uh, we're going to very briefly uh, touch on Samuel. as we, It's kind of a continuation from chapter 3 and into the first verse of chapter 4, and uh, some of the things that were going on there. So let's pray, and we'll get into our study. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you do have before us, um, Lord, examples of things to do and not to do. Lord, to bring you glory, that we would walk... Uh, according to your wisdom, Lord, that you have uh, before us, that we would not only understand uh, your word, but we would learn how to understand and learn how to apply it to our lives to your glory. And so I pray, Father, that you would strengthen your church, 
that uh, this would be a time that we um, would be still and desire to hear from you. And, uh, and that in that hearing, uh, we would, uh, Lord, be better off for it. And so we commit this time into your hands, Lord. As, as uh, it was, uh, Phineas's um, son was, was named Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed Israel. Lord, I pray that um, even though that was the, the thought and the understanding at that time, Lord, may we never leave your glory. Uh, we know that it's not that you leave us, but that we leave you. We question and doubt, and Lord, we, uh, we turn our backs on you. And so, Father, I, I pray that that wouldn't be the case with us, that we would simply be strengthened knowing that you are sovereign, you are faithful, you love us with an everlasting love. You tell us in your word that you will never leave us or forsake us. And so we know that you're true to your word. May we always cling to your word, your promises, and uh, walk confidently in them, knowing that uh, all things are sure in you. And so, Lord, we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to say this, is, uh, and we're all, I'm sure, very well aware of it, of the fact that we can turn many good things into idols. Uh, we can turn anything into an idol. And we can pervert that which is good, that which has been given to us by the Lord, and make it into something that we idolize and put in the place of God. From cars and houses to jobs and bank accounts, spouses and kids even, pleasure and knowledge and the list can go on. Many other things we can put in that place. And we find ourselves making, um, you know, ju justifying why it is that we put those very things in the place of God. And... Um, as we'll see tonight, the Israelites took that which God had given them, and it was good. And they found a way to turn it into an idol. And that was a very special item, and that, that was the, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God. The Ark of God was what they relied upon to bring them luck in their battle with the Philistines. But remember always that God doesn't desire for us to rely on things that he provides. Nothing that he provides, not, not anything. His provision is not there for us to rely on the provision, but simply to rely on the one who provided that which we have found to need, or even the extras. You know, those aren't the things that we rely on, but, but the God who provides them on him. So we're going to see here, and we need a question, was, was Israel relying on God? Or were they relying on something other than God? Uh, and also, was Israel in right standing with God? That's a good question for us to ask even ourselves. In, in the times and the things that we go through, and at any given time, every day, we should be asking, how is it that I perhaps today am not in right standing with you? In other words, where is it that I've fallen short and need to repent of that I may find forgiveness in you and be right in your eyes, O Lord. That requires a humbling uh, of us, uh, a right acknowledgement of who the Lord is in our lives. And also a question that I wanted to ask before we get into the actual verses here is, is God defeated when his people are defeated? Never, right? Never is. So let's begin. First Samuel chapter 4, verse 1. And the word of Samuel... 
came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. Let's stop there. This is the... <clears throat> This is the last mention of Samuel until chapter 7, verse 3. So this is, this is it right here for Samuel for a while. Uh, we've been covering Samuel up until this point. Uh, Hannah and, his, uh, and, uh, and uh, Samuel's father and Eli and that whole situation. But, but now we have just this one portion right here. Now, this first part of this verse says that the word of Samuel came to all Israel. And so we understand from what... Uh, was told to Samuel in the last chapter by the Lord um, came to be known throughout all of Israel. And that's what this is saying, that the word of Samuel came to Israel. We don't know uh, if there was anything additional to that that the Lord had brought to Samuel that was known throughout all Israel. But we know that everything that was given to Samuel had been known throughout all of Israel. And then the remainder of this verse goes on to speak of Israel preparing for battle against the Philistines at Aphek. And they were at Ebenezer. So they lined up, they formed up in those locations. As we have seen from studying the book of Judges, this was a time when Israel was living rightly before the Lord for short periods of time, before they would find themselves in compromising, uh, of comp uh, at times of compromise, um, practicing idolatry. And then God's judgment would come. Uh, and that would lead them back to repentance and back to right standing before the Lord. And they'd go through that that cycle, you remember that we went through all, all the book of Judges, and that's what it was, just over and over and over again. Well, although Samuel's word was known throughout all Israel, it didn't seem to be regarded as of yet. And what follows that statement doesn't mean that they had taken counsel from Samuel. It's just a, a, a statement of fact. This is what had taken place up to that point. Um, his word went throughout all Israel. But it didn't mean that they had t taken counsel from Samuel to actually go into battle with the Philistines. In fact, again, I remind you, we won't hear about Samuel until chapter 7, verse 3. That's the next time we hear from Samuel. At this time, a quick reminder, Eli was still the high priest. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were still serving at the tabernacle. And it may have been that the Israelites, even though Samuel had spoken, did not regard Samuel for another reason. Remember, he's very young. He's very young. And, and, and at times, even, uh, even young pastors have a difficult, difficult time being regarded uh, because, of their, because of their age. And, uh, and so it could have been uh, for that reason as well that Israel just was not listening to Samuel. Um, but again, we need to also understand but that uh, this didn't mean that what he had heard from God was not true. In fact, it was, and we will see that as we continue our study this evening, how it was that God's word that he gave to him will come to fruition in this chapter. Something to note here, at the time the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, uh, there were no world superpowers. There, there was no one who was dominant in the world. There were a lot of uh, battles throughout um, the world, but but it wasn't like a a world, a superpower in any part of the world. Most of the battles were pretty even, except for what they were going to encounter here with the Philistines. Apparently, the Philistines had come from, and the ladies, you're learning this, um, Cretans are known as what? Liars, right? 
They're liars. If you were called a Cretan, you were, you were considered a liar, right? So the Philistines, it, it, it was believed that they came from the island of Crete. Interesting, right? Well, they were advanced militarily, having learned how to process iron to make helmets, shields, swords, spears, and other items of war. And so they came uh, with kind of an edge, uh, they came, um, and, uh, and we know that the Israelites uh, were no match as far as all of those extra things were concerned. Some theologians estimate that this battle took place about halfway through the 50 years, or, or actually 40 years, that the Philistines dominated the Israelites during the time of the judges. Um, others say it happened 40 years after Samson's death, taking into regard uh, that Eli judged Israel for so long. And so we know that Eli's life in this chapter is coming to an end. So either way, it's, it's during the time of the judges around that time. Um, also, we see basically the bottom line is how the Israelites failed to gain victory over the Philistines at this, at this particular time. So Israel is encamped at Ebenezer and the Philistines are encamped at Aphek. Verse 2 says... <clears throat> The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come, uh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies." So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. So what a great loss. Here they were, they lined up for battle, they engaged, and they lost 4,000 men. And the question was asked at that point by the elders of Israel, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Now, this was a great question. This was something that they should have asked. The elders of Israel questioned their loss, but they, they failed to do one thing. They failed to actually wait for a response. They should have asked this question and they just stop. Just stop. Wait. Listen. Consider, just wait on the Lord. Because instead of waiting to hear from the Lord, they immediately sent for the ark of God to be brought to the battlefield from Shiloh. There are several things I'd like to point out here in these verses that we just read. Number one is the thing that I pointed out already, is, is that the elders asked why, but failed to wait to hear why from God. They asked why, but perhaps they didn't really want to hear the answer. How often do we ask why and then fail to hear from God? I think we do that often. We ask why and then we keep going, like as if we never asked the question. Remember Zechariah 4.6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. If we would simply just rely on the Spirit to lead us, and because the Spirit will always lead us in all truth, in all truth. And so if we were, if we were to just, just wait, 
just wait, the Holy Spirit would point us to the very word of God, the very thing we need to hear. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, it's conditional. It's, it's conditional. He desires to be found. He desires to be sought after. And he says he will never deny you the wisdom that you seek and you need if you don't doubt. Always, that's what his word tells us. Uh, James 1.5 tells us that he will give to us without reproach, without holding anything back, anything that we need. But it says here that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. But if we're asking the question, this question, uh, why? Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines and then continue right after that into this is what we're going to do? Then we're not really listening, are we? We're not really seeking him. We're, we're perhaps even getting ahead of him. Can you imagine? It's like asking someone a question. And that person is, and then you, you just keep, keep going. It's like, hey, why did you do this? And then you just keep talking. It's like, oh, I was about to tell you, but no problem. Go ahead. Keep talking. Instead of being led by the Spirit, and instead of genuinely seeking God with all of their heart, they did something here. Secondly, they quickly resorted to superstition. Superstition. With the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts. The bottom line is, they, they just wanted to find victory. They wanted to know victory. Bottom line, that was, that was it. Seeking to find victory or contentment or power or peace in something other than God is idolatry. If you're seeking victory in something or someone other than the Lord, you're placing that person in the place of God. If you're seeking contentment, we do this oftentimes, I'm sorry, we're mistaken in doing this with our spouses. We, we, we're not, we shouldn't put them in that place. We shouldn't. Our contentment should always, first and foremost, be found in the Lord. Otherwise, what we make our spouse is an idol. We're, we're trying to find contentment in them. And then we're disillusioned. And we're, we're, what, what happens is um, they, they fall short. You know, not my wife, but I mean, maybe your spouse. No, we do. We fall short. And then, and then what happens is if we're all in the world, what happens is, is uh, we go down this path. Well, you don't make me happy. And therefore, I'm going to go look for it and find it somewhere else. Why? Because we're idolizing that person. That's the same for anyone else. Or power. Power. We're seeking power. Or, or peace. Or even peace. This is really dangerous too. We're trying to find this peace. It kind of goes along with contentment. But just, I, I, want, I want to be in that place where I just, I just know a peace. Oftentimes the world will give it to you, but it's a false sense of peace. It's like doing that one thing that puts you at ease. You know, that calms you down. Whatever it is. You know, name, name the thing that you, you find that brings you 
a great calmness and, and brings you like, kind of calms you down, right? Gives you peace. Uh, it may calm your spirit for a while, but again, that's a false sense of peace. The only one that can give you everlasting, eternal peace, that peace that surpasses understanding, it is not a thing or an activity that you do. It's, it's actually Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He says that he gives that peace that surpasses all understanding. And with that, he guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We only find it in him. To look for it in anything else is to be guilty of idolatry. And we shouldn't do that. We should look to him. Now, at other times, the ark of God was taken into battle before the Israelites. We have examples with Joshua, with Saul, and even with King David. Those are all examples of, of them taking the ark of the covenant into battle with them. But what we have here is a situation where they were seeking power from an object and not from the presence of God himself. There was a difference. Here they were seeking power from the object. They were seeking victory from it, is the way they referred to it, that one item. Thirdly, a problem that I see here is that they were following corrupt leaders. Who are the corrupt leaders? Well, this last verse that we covered here in verse 4, it says, And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. They were leading the charge with the Ark of God. So you want it from Shiloh? We will bring it to you. Remember how it was that they were stealing from God? They had forsaken the Lord is how they were described. And here they were. They were bringing the Ark of God. Hey, let's do this. Just because someone has a title of priest doesn't mean they are genuine. As we see in these two men who were corrupt, remember that they had forsaken the Lord. Matthew 23, 27, the Lord Jesus said, Woe to you, who? The religious leaders, scribes and Pharisees. And he calls them something very gentle. Hypocrites. It just straight out calls them out. The scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly, outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. Jesus said to beware of them, for they serve as assembling blocks who mislead people away from the kingdom of God. And they were the religious leaders of the people of the time. The Israelites really did believe that it would save them. Verse 3 says that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. Notice that the, the Israelites were referring to it and not to him. Not to the Lord. Not to uh, our, the creator of the universe. The one who, whom no one can conquer. Who's unconquerable. They weren't referring to the Lord. They were referring to this item. This, this one thing. If you bring it into our midst, we will know victory in our battles. Bring it. Okay. And so they brought the ark of God into the camp of the Israelites. You guys know what the Lord thinks of idolatry, right? He deals with idolatry. It's one of those things. If we insist on idolatry, okay, go ahead and bring it in your midst. Go ahead and bring it in. And it's not because he doesn't like us. It's because he loves us. He'll sometimes allow us to Go ahead and do the thing that we insist on. Just go ahead and do it. 
And so they brought the ark of God into the camp of the Israelites, maybe thinking that their defeat was because they didn't have this, this thing with them. They, they should have waited on the Lord for his reason why it was that they were defeated in the first place. They should have just simply waited. Be still and know that I am the Lord. Psalm 46.10, right? Be still. Just wait to hear that still, small voice. How many times do we come up with a reason why we're defeated and how we can overcome further defeats by our own devices? We, we ask, but then we come up with our own reasons as to how, how it is that we're going to find victory the next time instead of just simply relying on the Lord. It's something that we're all guilty of. We can all find ourselves in that situation, can't we? I know I'm guilty of it. And it's like, pray, I've, I've been praying, I've, I've prayed. Really? Have you really? You know, I know for me, I, I just, I was going through this and I thought, Lord, I fall so short. I, I need to stop relying on, on, on my own devices, my own, you know, thoughts and all that. I, I, I need to simply just sit back and just wait on you a bit more. Just be at ease. We'll be much more at peace if, if we're doing that very thing. We need to do more of it. Verse 5 says, As soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, A God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So as soon as the Ark of the Covenant came into the camp with the Israelites, oh man, the Israelites roared with a mighty shout. And it says here that basically the earth shook. The earth shook. And the Philistines heard it. They were so close. Uh, you know, one in Aphek, the other one in Ebenezer. And, and, and just the, their proximity, they could hear like, what is going on over there? And so they inquired. As soon as they found out what was going on, they were struck with fear. Woe to us. And they were filled with fear. The Israelites at this point were sure of victory. And they gave this triumphant shout before the battle. Before it. Carnal people feel as if victory is assured when they see external things. Performances of religion. And they build them up to be something that they're not. You see, God is interested in the things of the heart. That faith is exercised in him and his promises in the normal and quiet things of the day. There's sometimes we can get hyped up, in other words, and that's what I'm saying is, like even in church, we can, we can, get, we can get hyped up. We, we see something going on and, and, and we think, wow, this is it. 
No, you know where you know where God is glorified. By the way, when we come together and worship the Lord, it should be a product of what we've been doing throughout the week of relying on Him, um, looking to Him. Uh, you know, doing those things that, that glorify Him. We should come to church and be ready to to sing His praises. Sometimes we come broken, of course we do, right? But we should come just much of the time, just full and ready, just just overflow with praise. And worship to him. That, that, that's it. Why? Because we've been living out his promises to his glory in just our everyday lives. It would have benefited the Israelites to drop to their knees in prayer and humble repentance. But instead they raised up a shout thinking their victory was sure. See the ark of the covenant coming into their presence. Oh, Consider. Consider where it is that the Lord said he would meet with them above the mercy seat in that very place, in the Holy of Holies. And here was this, this ark being brought before them. What it should have done, and the response that really should have been expressed there, is them falling to their faces in repentance. God is among us. God is here. And just uh, just that place of, of brokenness, of, of being contrite, of regarding his righteousness and his holiness. Just this awe. C.H. Spurgeon said, quote, True faith in God may express itself with leaping and with shouting. And it is a happy thing when, when it does. But it can also sit still before the Lord. And that perhaps is a happier thing still, close quote. You know, I'm definitely, and, and I do want to put this out and say this, is that I'm not saying that we aren't to express ourselves in a joyful and loud way because the Lord tells us in his word uh, to make, a, to make a, a loud noise to the, to the Lord, right? To, to express ourselves in worship to him. But that, that isn't always the time. Sometimes the best way we can express our faith and trust in him is by just, just sitting still and at peace before him. And it all depends on the situation and the circumstances. Because sometimes what's appropriate is not anything other than sitting still before him. Especially when repentance is in order especially when we ought to be expressing a, a broken heart before him. Brokenness. Now, when the Philistines heard the shout, they were struck with fear. And it's interesting because they, they knew some, something was going on here. In fact, they said, what, what does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid for they asked, a God has come into the camp. Right? And so they were, they were, they knew. As soon as they heard this, they say, Woe to us! Woe to us! For nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us! Who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? Because they knew that, and they were, they had it all wrong. Of course, they were saying gods, right? Plural. They weren't uh, referring to God as Elohim, as, as Yahweh. They were referring to the, the gods of the Israelites because we know what they did to the Egyptians how it is that these gods struck them struck them down with plagues and, and all of these things well it was it was God it was God 
But they knew the power of Israel's God. And so at this point, they said, we've never seen anything like it. Nothing like this. And yet here we are. What are we to do? Well, they were struck with fear. But this caused them to seek even more courage. They were committing themselves to fighting even harder than they would otherwise. And they knew nothing like this had ever happened to them before, but they weren't going to give up. They were going to fight even harder. We're going to give it our all right here. Why? Because we know what, what their God is capable of doing. We know that. And so therefore, we're going to fight all the more. Let me tell you that in this world, you will experience tribulation. You will experience an opposition. Why? Because God, or I mean, because the enemy, because the devil does not like the things of God, does not like God. And, and he will oppose you. He will try and stop you from doing those things that bring glory to God, especially, especially spreading the gospel. Notice how sometimes the things that happen, you know, you commit yourself to, you know what, I'm going to talk to someone about the Lord. And it just seems like distractions happen, all kinds of things happen, and, and, and you could get easily sidetracked and, and never get to doing it. In the middle of delivering the good news, um, well, I was just at a wedding to where I was delivering the gospel in Espanol. And at the very end, this recording came over the speakers. Some of you were there. And uh, it was like, whoa, what, what a trip, right? It's like, you know, Satan was hard at work. But, you know, if you, if you know that the enemy is not going to sleep, just like these Philistines. These Philistines is a picture of the enemy, by the way. It's a picture of the world coming against you. They're always there. If you are prepared for that, you will not let up, knowing that God is on your side. But you just know that, that the world, the enemy, will not sleep. It's always prowling, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Right? So just, just don't, don't let your guard down. Keep moving forward. These, these guys, they weren't going to give up. They were going to fight even harder. Perhaps that is the attitude we should have when we are faced with various opposition from the enemy. We should have that resolve. No matter, come what may, it doesn't matter what comes my way. It doesn't matter. I am going to stay the course. And I love when people just bear down. I look at the Apostle Paul. To live is Christ, to die is gain. For me, it's a win-win. If I stay, it's, I, I know it's because it's for, for your good. But if I go, I prefer to go with the Lord. But I'll stay and I'll bring him glory. I will not pull my hand back from that which the Lord has given me stewardship over. I will not pull back. And I love my brothers and sisters because they serve as such a source of encouragement when they are faced with some of the most difficult things and they do not pull their hands back. They just keep going. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, is it Wes Bentley from Far Reaching Ministries? 
I think that that's who oversees far-reaching ministry. Uh, well, anyway, it's a, it's a ministry to um, the South Sudan. And what they do is they, um, they, they prepare uh, chaplains uh, as they go out to battle. And they literally go out there and, and they, uh, they, they are on the line of fire. They are on the, they are on the front lines. And I just, I, I keep, I have this video of Wes Bentley and four soldiers with him. And I, I don't know their names. I forgot their names, but it, they do give them biblical names. You know, one is John. The other one's Paul. The other one's, uh, I think, Elijah. And, you know, and so he was saying, you know, Paul over here. Yeah. So, so he's been out in the front lines and, um, in, and he's been shot five times. Um, John, he's been shot three times. Um, Elijah, he's kind of new, so he's only been shot once. And then the other guy, he's been shot a couple times also. He, they're out there, the front lines. And you know what they're doing? Literally, this is what they, they do. They have a weapon in one hand and the sword in the other, the word of God. They are out there spreading the gospel as they're fighting amongst their, their countrymen. But they don't, many of them have died, given up their lives for the sake of Christ. And here we are. Oh, in California, I feel so sorry for us. And, 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 I, and, I, and I say that with this with great love, hoping to, hope, uh, like, to wake us up a bit. You know, as Christians, what do we face today in California, in this place? What is so awful that it would cause us to shrink back from spreading the gospel, from doing the work of the ministry? What is it? It doesn't matter what it is. Just consider those things. Is it some, some things here lately that have happened in your life? I know we've had many things happen in our lives. And don't let that hold you back. No. Don't let anything hold you back. If, they can, if, if our brethren around the world can endure things like us and even much worse and continue to move forward, living out the fact that to live is Christ and to die is gain, then we too can do it in our own circumstances that we find ourselves in today, can't we? We can. We believe we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, right? We should have that kind of perseverance because this is the kind of perseverance that the enemy has the enemy is relentless. We ought to be relentless ourselves as well, and even more so with more confidence and boldness. Why? Because we have God Almighty with us all the way through. Amen? That's what we're, we're in a battle. That's what we need to realize. We need to keep going. Verse 10. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled every man to his home, and there was a very great slaughter, for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell. And the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. And so there was a great defeat, 30,000. The first time, 4,000. Now we have 30,000 men who fell in the field of battle. Apparently, God was not, at least he didn't feel obligated to bless the Israelites with victory just because outwardly they looked like God was with them because they carried the ark of God, the ark of the Lord. Think about this. 
Just because you invoke God with loud and demanding prayers doesn't mean that he has to bend to your loud demands. Let this serve as an example of that very thing. We need to note that Israel lost more men with the Ark of the Covenant than without it. Not only were 30,000 men killed, but, uh, but the Ark was captured, and then Hophni and Phinehas were killed out there on the field of battle. This was, by the way, in fulfillment of what the Lord had told Eli through the man of God in chapter 2 that he had sent to him. Told him this was going to come, come about. The ark had been turned into an idol, and we know that God doesn't sit idly while his people put things and others before him, before him, even at the expense of something so revered and honored as the ark. God was still on the throne in heaven as he allowed the ark of the covenant to be taken captive by the Philistines. The things we cherish most are sometimes the very things God allows to be taken from us that we may turn to him and recognize him for who he is and who he should be in our lives. Who he should be. I mean, if um, the Ark of the Covenant can be captured, and it's not like the Lord didn't have the power to not allow that to happen, but he allowed that to happen, and away it went. You see, the Israelites had held that in the place of the Lord. They relied on that and not on the God of the Ark of the Covenant. So verse 12, let's continue. A man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes torn and with dirt on his head. When he arrived, Eli was sitting on his seat by the road watching for his heart trembled for the Ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told the news, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, what is this uproar? Then the man hurried and came and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were set, uh, were set so that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. And he said, how did it go, my son? He who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons, also Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the Ark of God has been captured. As soon as he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell, fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy. He had judged Israel forty years. Now, that very same day, what we have here is <clears throat> that this man ran from the field of battle to Shiloh. That is, by the way, approximately 20 miles. 20 miles. So this man ran close to a marathon in just that one day to come and bring news to Israel there in Shiloh, and specifically to Eli. And he spoke directly to him. And we see here how it was that it was described that Eli was anxious at that point. He was, he was anxious, but he was anxious about one thing. He was anxious about the ark of God. Perhaps he knew that it wouldn't turn out well. That the people were taking the ark of the covenant for the wrong reasons. And he knew that. And then his sons, Eli and, uh, I mean, uh, Hophni and Phinehas were there taken. And he knew the background. He had address them in what they were doing and how it was that they were stealing from God and how it was that the Lord said, uh, you know, 
why are you forsaking me? And speaking to Eli in regards to what his sons had done. So he knew the circumstances, the situation that, that they found themselves in. And so perhaps he was anxious and concerned because it was them that took the ark of God and for the wrong reasons. And notice that Eli heard about Israel's great defeat in the battlefield and he didn't flinch. He was told about his two sons dying on the battlefield and he didn't flinch. But as soon as he heard about the Ark of the Covenant, having been captured, he fell over backward from his seat and broke his neck and died. You know, that's a commentary here. That's what we, we see before us. He was told those two and didn't seem to surprise him. But he was devastated with the news of the ark having been captured. He knew from what had already been prophesied, from what the Lord had said, that his two sons would die in the same day, and that came to pass. And so he knew that that was going to happen. As far as the people having been defeated and them being routed, well, Perhaps it didn't catch him by much surprise either. Of course, he was disappointed. He was sad about that. But, but it was one thing that brought devastation. And that was the news that the Ark of the Covenant had been captured. And he fell over backward. He broke his neck. And he died. He had served and he had judged Israel for 40 years. In the same day, not only did his sons die, but so did Eli. And of course... That was, a, that was a very dark day in the history of Israel. But as we continue on, it says in verse 19, and there's more. Now, his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant, about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women attending her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. So this was all too much for the wife of Phineas. And she was with child, and she went into labor when she heard the news about everything. Her husband having um, died on the field of battle, her, her father-in-law, you know, ev everyone who had lost their lives out there, 34,000 in total, 30,000 this time, but 4,000 earlier. And so it was, it, was, it was all too much for her, and she went into labor. And, and at this time, when she was giving birth to her son, she wasn't even comforted by the news that she had a son. She had delivered a son. She didn't respond except to say that her son's name was Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. And specifically, we know that this was in reference to the glory has departed from Israel. And those were her last words. In this day, these things all took place. And I can't help but think of what the Lord had prophesied to Samuel in regards to this very day. For the Lord had warned of this day back in chapter 3. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And so it was on this very day that everyone who heard of this, it, 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 made, it made just their, their skin crawl. They couldn't believe what they were hearing. How is it that this could be possible? How is it that 34,000 of our men could have fallen to the Philistines? How is it that the Ark of the Covenant could have been captured by them? And then we have Hophni and Phinehas, the two priests, they're, they're dead. And not only that, but as we know, this, this Benjamite came and brought the bad news to Eli, their father. How was it he fell over and, and he himself is dead? And then we have Phineas's wife and she gave birth to a son and she's dead as well. All of this, of course, it would, it would just like, wow, it would leave you in awe. Like what, what just happened? This is, this is a bad dream. This is a nightmare. What is going on here? This is another good time to ask the Lord one thing. Why? Why? Why are all these things happening? Why did all of these things happen? But instead of doing what the elders of Israel did and and continued on and answered for themselves and, and, and looked at different ways of bringing some kind of a conclusion to it or, or, you know, answering for ourselves, we ought to just just be still. Be still and wait on the Lord. However long he takes to answer, so be it. But then we need to open up the word and we need to read and we need to read. We need to pray. We need to seek the Lord and ask that he would answer that prayer. That question, why? We wait. We wait to hear from him and see if there is something that we need to turn from. Is it some sort of idolatrous act, behavior, that is putting something or someone else before him? You see, God was still on the throne. And he had allowed this to happen to the Israelites. And he had allowed the ark to be captured. By the way, his glory was not marred. His glory was was intact. Because God is faithful, even when we're faithless. For it says in his word, for he cannot deny himself. That's beautiful. That that for us should bring us back to that place of being confident in him, in his promises. For us, we should have these broken and contrites before the Lord because the word tells us a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, these you will not despise. You will not turn your back on those hearts. Humble before the Lord. What do you desire, Lord? What is it? Perhaps there's something with me. Perhaps you're just strengthening me, refining me. You're, you're doing some work here that I'm, and I, I just need to, to learn from this. But whatever it is, all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Remember even Joseph at the, the, the time that his father died, Israel, Jacob, 
And his brothers thought for sure, now he's going to kill us all. He said, am I in God's place? Hey, listen, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You know, even Joseph at that point knew, hey, listen, this is what, what the, the, the enemy means for evil. What you guys mean, mean for evil, God meant for good. He, he worked it all out to where I was in this place for a reason. And because I was in this place and you guys did what you did, I was in that place to where I could help the whole family through this famine. You see, it all depends on our perspective. What we're going through will serve so many different purposes, so many different ways in which we can glorify the Lord. When you go through certain things, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, you will comfort others with the same comfort by which you were comforted with by God. You know, you go through certain trials and then you find comfort in the Lord. And then you can tell someone else, encourage them, hey, listen, just, just have faith in the Lord. Trust in him. Cling to him. Why? Because he will be your comfort just as he has been for me in my difficult circumstances. Just keep your eyes fixed on him because he is not only the author, but he's the perfecter of your faith. Just know that. God is still on the throne. And we should always be understanding that the, the things that we experience serve to bring him glory. They prepare the person. They, they are doing something in our lives that far exceed anything that we can gain here on earth. It, it's an eternal weight of glory. An eternal weight of glory. It goes far beyond the tangible, the things that we can see and touch and smell. And remember this, and I'll leave you with this. God disciplines those whom he loves. But don't ever forget the love part. And why it is that he disciplines. It's to correct and right what is wrong. That we may be better off and that we would reflect his glory a bit better in our lives. It's all for that. He's still on the throne. Because the story's not over. It keeps going. And there's something that he's doing here. And we'll see it later on. Father, we just ask that you would help our unbelief. Oh Lord, help us to be trustworthy, loyal to you. Lord, that our lives would serve as a response to the love that you first demonstrated to us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to not place anything before you, to not idolize anyone or anything. Also, that you would give us, Lord, a steadfast spirit. Lord, one, the, the heart of a warrior. Lord, that uh, we would commit to constantly advancing for your glory, that we would not pull our hand back ever from the plow, Lord, but always looking forward, regardless of what kind of circumstances we find ourselves, that we are found faithful in you and that we persevere in the faith. Because we know that you, God Almighty, you are with us. And who could ever be against us? All things are possible with you. May our lives serve to bring you glory and honor 
And may we be those living sacrifices unto you. For you are deserving of all our praise and all our worship. All the honor. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Jesus' name.